welcome to the Rush Valley Podcast, where we talk about all things outdoors and hopefully some badass stories. Welcome back to the show, everyone. This is episode 16. I am your host, Anders Lance, and today we will be talking with Jake Pohl. Jake, thanks for taking your time out of your day to come on and share your story. Why don't we start off by uh, introducing yourself, since I don't really even know you either. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no problem. Uh, my, my name is Jake Polk, and uh, I run a whitetail management consultant company called Polk Whitetail Management. Um, we're out of Polk County, Wisconsin, ironically. Um, and, got, you know, we've been doing this for, you know, five years or so. Okay. Yeah, I, I told a couple of my buddies who I was having on, and they, I'm like, he's from Wisconsin, but uh, I don't know where he's from. And they're like, well, is he from Polk County? And I was like, I, I know he's from northern Wisconsin, but I don't think he's from Polk County. So that's kind yeah, of funny. So we, that. Yeah, absolutely. We get that. We get that a lot. You know, all Polk White Zone Management, are you part of the DNR? And it's like, no, we're not. You know, that's actually just our last name. You know, <laughs> as big of a coincidence as that is. We're, uh, we're actually originally from down by Wisconsin Dells, uh, our north of Madison. Okay. Um, we, yeah. So we, I moved up here. Um, I got a job right out of college, um, at a federal prison in Sandstone, Minnesota. Um, so I kind of moved up here after I graduated from Stout and, uh, just lived in, you know, Minnesota for a couple of years and then decided that it wasn't my thing. I wanted to be back in my home state. So I moved kind of in this area and I've been here ever since. Sweet. Nobody likes the mud ducks anyway, so. No, no, not not a whole lot of people, that's for sure. <laughs> oh, that's why we stay on our side, they stay on their side. But they don't necessarily exactly. do that anyways. And trust me, it's hard enough to go over there for work. <laughs> but it is nice coming back after. No, that's for sure. How, uh, what did you go to school for? Um, well, I switched my major a couple times. I originally went for biology because I wanted to do some sort of whitetail biology, you know, work with the NR, but I'm like, you know what? That's not that realistic of a job. So I switched my major in early childhood education to be, you know, a grade school teacher. And then I switched again because I didn't really enjoy that. And I just got a business administration degree. And, uh, that's what I, that's what I do now for the federal prison. I was an officer for just over four years, and now I'm a contract specialist in the business office at uh, FCI Sandstone. Oh, nice. And yeah. So then, Polk Whitetail, you just kind of do on the side more so, or just? Yep. I mean, it's, you know, it's it, what's crazy about it, it's always been a passion, you know, having land back home and doing it. And, you know, we, I never really thought I would ever do it as like a side business. It'd mainly just be a hobby on our own farms. You know, I got to thinking, I'm like, you know, we've had great results with all of it. Let's make it into just a side gig. Hopefully someday I can do it full time, but not right now. For sure. Yeah, that would be, that'd be ideal. Then you don't have to work for a living. Correct. It'd just be like walking people's property and helping them out and talk about deer hunting for a living. How yeah. cool would that be? No, exactly. That's, that's, I think every whitetail hunter's dream to kind of somehow get into the outdoor industry. I mean. For sure. It's hard though. I oh, tell you what. But. Maybe someday. Yeah. No, it's a competitive field. And I mean, there's a lot of different avenues you can go and get into. It's just, it's tough. I mean, it's hard to make a living doing that. I mean, yeah, it's what we love to do, but 
sometimes it's not realistic, I guess. Exactly. Exactly. So how's uh, how's your summer been going? As Actually, as... it's been great. Yeah. Um, just in general, my summer has been amazing. Um, I'm actually on uh, three months of baby leave right now, fully paid. So I've been off since June 5th, and I go back to work September 7th. So it's been it's been very good. Yeah, get to hang out and enjoy the family, kind of, and yeah, get in some family time before the the hunting season gets in. Exactly. For for sure, yeah. At least you can kind of focus on the the kid. How old's the kid? Uh, she'll be five months this month. Okay, you just have one kid. Uh, actually I actually have a four year old too. Okay, cool. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. So. Kind of talk about how you got started with, you know, you'd kind of said, you know, you just kind of did it for a hobby on your farm. Is it just you or is it you and your dad or how did you guys? Kind yeah, of I'm, so we kind of have it split up in two different portions. You know, I'm the actual land management specialist and then he's more of the field operations. So he's got the, you know, the tractor, the tiller, all of that stuff, you know, for doing food plots if people need them. But my, my main thing is, is, you know, writing these management plans for guys. And a big thing that I've noticed on these properties is that none of them are the same. You know, I mean, I don't care how similar they seem. None of them are going to hunt the same. None of them are going to play out the same. Um, so basically what I do is, well, I'll tell you the whole process. Basically. Uh, we like to start, let's say you had 80, how much land do you guys have that you hunt? I probably have, let's just say a hundred acres probably. Okay. hundred acres. And you want, you know, when it comes to hunting, there's pretty much three main goals, right? You want to see more deer, you want to see more bucks or bigger bucks, and you want to shoot bigger bucks, right? It all kind of depends on what kind of hunter you are. Most people are just fine with just seeing more deer. But our main thing is we want guys to shoot bigger bucks, you know, on top of seeing bigger bucks. So, you know, how we start is obviously we like to see an aerial photo of your property, you know, it's it, it, lets us get familiar with your property and then also the surrounding neighbor, uh, the neighboring properties. It kind of lets us see, you know, are there funnels, you know, what, what kind of crop fields you have nearby? Do people do food plots, stuff like that. After we kind of analyze that, I mean, you can get a ton of information from an aerial map, right? I mean, if you, you can do topo maps on top of it, you can, you can get a whole bunch of information. Yep. But once we get that, you know, we do an entire property walkthrough with the landowner or group of guys, whoever hunts there, you know, we'll, we'll constantly point out key areas. You know, this would be a great bedding area. Um, kind of go over everything that we analyze when we're on, you know, we got our uh, boots in the dirt, you know, and then after that, you know, I stay in touch and, you know, my, my job really begins, you know, I'll write up anywhere from, you know, 12 to, I think my biggest management plan was like 22 pages of information strictly unique to your land, you know, and how I like to start my management plans is what I call property deer benefits or PDBs. Cause you know, I, most properties, if not all of them have, um, property deer benefits already, which those are, let's say like already established thick bedding, you know, good browse, you know, good crop fields, you know, that, that natural kind of stuff that's similar to that is beneficial to the deer already, you know, and then we go into what are some short-term property improvements that we can make right away? You know, what are some long-term? Um, it's just a bunch of stuff like that, that I put in the program 
um, as well as, you know, a highly detailed aerial map showing, you know, property funnels, food plot locations, stand locations. And then there's even an aerial map that shows, you know, on certain stand locations, what's the preferred wind direction for a morning hunt and then an evening hunt. A lot of them are going to be the total opposite of each other, right? So, I mean, there's just, there's so much information that you can put in. I don't want to give away too much, um, you know, right off the bat. But, I mean, bedding areas and sanctuaries, you know, the big thing that we try focusing on when it comes to, you know, a lot of these properties is, you know, the amount of pressure that's put on them. Um, And, I mean, that could range from, you know, switching up, sitting in a stand morning versus evening. You know, if you're playing the wrong wind, you know, you might, you might be screwed, you know, and that goes along with even when you're accessing or exiting, you don't want to educate your deer every time you're out there. I mean, you could ruin a hunt even before you get to your stand. And that's what we're trying to eliminate for a lot of these guys to enhance their chances of having these big bucks come on their property, stay on their property, and then give them the ability to harvest one or two. Yeah. It's, I, yeah, sometimes I feel like it's, you know, it's, it's a lot about learning your property and, you know, like you said, you got to walk your property and it's not just walk your property in the summertime or whatever. It's in the wintertime. It's a lot. You have to kind of get to know your property and where the deer, um, are moving, traveling, bedding, bedding. But it's also, like you said, it's, it's not always about the food. You know, obviously you want food, bedding, water, whatever, if you could have it all. Mm-hmm. But it's about knowing where the deer move, where they travel, how they travel through wind. And, and you know, just it's it's people maybe sometimes look past that if I'm if I'm not wrong. Oh, absolutely. You know, and I remember doing a property for a guy and, uh, you know, he, his big thing was he wanted to get food. And I get that because there was no food anywhere around, which is great. But I told him, I'm like, we're not going to overdo it. You, I want you to be able to hunt this one year and kind of study, you know, the, the actual deer movement on your property. Are they coming from the West? Are they strictly coming from the Southeast? You know, unless you hunt it for a full year, how are you going to know? I mean, yeah, you could put cameras, but those always don't, you know, those don't always show where the deer are coming from or, you know, how exactly they're moving. Yeah, you kind of got you kind of got to figure that out in your own, you know, hunt it a year, and then let's really get into this management plan. For sure, yeah, I think you know everyone's first thing to to jump out when they get a new property is like let's just put food on it, but it's just like there's there's as as I've gotten older and as I've hunted more, it's like I've learned kind of like and I I still probably am the same way like let's get a food plot in like that's first things first, which I feel like can never really hurt you but you know if we're living in northern wisconsin there's a lot of food around so mm-hmm. really learning your property i got a permission property kind of that i kind of started hunting last year and we hunted it a couple times i was still going to school and when i would come back i'd you know hunt it and it was just like i'd hunt it when i had the chance to hunt it i didn't hunt it when it was the best for the best hunting on that property Right. And it was just like, I, I need to hunt this property for a year. And I told my, my buddy and my cousin that, like, I need to hunt this property for a year to actually figure out. I need to walk it in the winter. We do a lot of, like, maple syrup on there. So it's kind of sure. cool because you can, you can go through and walk in the wintertime and, and learn where the deer are or if they even are there in the winter. But it's honestly, it's pretty easy to tell if deer are there, you know, just with, especially northern Wisconsin, you know, all the snow that we get. You know, it's obvious where the deer are going, you know, especially if that snow is nothing but mud on, you know, where they're walking, 
you know that's a heavily used trail. Like, you know, like even I've hunted southeast uh, Illinois, and I can't imagine any of those states below that hot. Snow to us is a huge advantage in the winter. It lets you see exactly where the deer are bedding, lets you see exactly where the deer are moving. Yeah. And I think, I think people, I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't say they get lazy when it comes to, you know, doing their own scouting on their land, but I think a lot of them can be. Mm-hmm. You know, you got, I call it sweat equity. You know, you, and sweat equity to me is not just, you know, doing the planting, not doing the, you know, hinge cutting, not doing all the hard work. It's actually walking your property and kind of getting to know it. For sure. Yeah. I th- you know, the perfect, the perfect analogy is when, you know, when somebody is, you know, looking at buying a new house, yeah, you, you know, you see the pictures on some realtor website and you're like, that's nice. You know, is somebody just going to go into, you know, just the kitchen and say, yes, this is a, we want it. No, they're going to, they're going to walk the entire thing, you know, and, and get a full layout of what's happening in that house. It's yeah. no different than a property. No, I, I agree. I, I even, I, so I just started a job. I'm a, I'm an equipment salesman and it's just like, it's the same thing. No one's just going to come buy a, a piece of equipment without taking a look at it. You got to, right. I mean, there might be some, some rich people who don't care that just buy it to buy it and whatever. But it's like, I would never, I would, there's got to be certain things on a property that, that I would want for me, you know, for hunting and, and whatever before I would actually want to buy it. Well, right. And actually one of my, uh, one of my main things that I look for, you know, let's say down the road, five years from now, I'm ready to buy my own 80. You know, I want to look for something that I can hunt, you know, dominant West winds, you know, East winds up here is pretty, I wouldn't say rare, but West winds are far more dominant than East. So I want to be able to hunt that property as much as possible off a West wind. You know, that's, that's the one thing I look for. Why do you, you know, yeah, why, why, why west wind? Just, just because it, we don't get a lot of east winds, you're saying? Yeah, I mean, you know, obviously the west winds here, southwest, straight west, northwest, are going to be the most dominant winds. Mm-hmm. You know, I would rather be, for my own land, I would rather set up a property, you know, off those winds. You know, just, just because they are dominant. I guess that's the easiest way to explain it, you know. Yeah. Like the one behind my house here, I got 17 acres behind my house here and there are ginormous deer, ginormous deer here. And I mean, if you would see an aerial, you wouldn't think anything of it. I mean, it's pretty much just a 17 acre pasture with 13 oak trees all the way at the south end. That's it. Tons of buckthorn, which is great for cover. Not great for the entire property, but whatever. You know, west winds here, I really cannot hunt them like at all. And it sucks because... It's like, man, that's, you know, four out of the, or six out of the seven days of the week are going to be a west wind here. Mm-hmm. That's just how it works. And it's like, man, I really want to sit back here, but I don't want to put any pressure. You know, I don't want to sit a stand and, you know, have some giant deer come by and wind me and, you know, ruin that spot for a week or two. So, so saying you're setting up for a west wind, what are like some things you can actually do to set up for a specific wind? Well, I mean, there, well, I'm going to go back to this property too. So those, those 13 oak trees that I have on the South side, all my winds that I hunt are basically straight, straight South. I sometimes during the rut, I, I will get a little aggressive and hunt the straight North wind, but it's not the greatest, 
but a straight south wind for me is perfect. And what I did here is the farthest north oak tree is where I have a, a ladder stand. And I put all the food, I put a, uh, what do I have? Just over, I would say a quarter acre clover plot. And then probably a half acre of a brassica mix. And then I uh, screen that with some corn. And everything, you know, where them deer are coming out of the beddings, everything is going to be south of me. So my wind is going to be blowing completely away from our food plots and completely away from where the deer are coming. You know, I'm basically blowing my wind right back at the house in my shed. So, I mean, there, and this is kind of where every property is unique in its own way. You know, a lot of these properties can't do that. You know, I mean, if you got nothing but hard timber south of where I said I put that ladder, are you going to put food there? You know, are you going to do a ground blind? There's a lot of ways you can do that. But I mean, for, for me, when it comes to management plans, I think the biggest thing is knowing where them deer are coming from. You know, if they're coming straight from the north, a northwest wind's probably going to be pretty good. You can set all the way on the south side and let them deer come to you. You're going to be golden. Yeah. No, that makes sense. And I mean, there's so much that goes into it too, but you can't. Like you said, every property is different, so it's kind of it's kind of tough. I feel like to explain that you did a good job. Well, but. I mean, trying to think of the easiest way to kind of talk about it. The biggest thing you got to know where them deer are coming from, and yep. you know, personally, I believe that there really is no perfect wind because I mean, you, I could have a deer bedding right by my house coming straight towards those food plots, and it's a bad wind for that, you know, that spot. But every, I think every spot. I think you have a pretty good chance of blowing out deer. There's no perfect wind. I mean, you could be blowing your wind directly across a 200 acre cornfield and you could have a random deer, you know, come from across the road straight to you downwind. And what are you going to do? Yeah, no, exactly. You know? Um, we kind of talked about this just to kind of go back on how you, like if you, you know, if you had your nice 80, let's say you wanted to buy an 80, whatever. How do you, um, like prior prioritize, um, what you want into your property? Like, are you going water bedding food? What, what comes first for you? Honestly, it all depends on what's already there. And that's, that's kind of plays into what I call the PDBs or the property deer benefits. You know, if you got, if you got a really nice running, not a dry creek, a really nice full creek year round, you know, do you necessarily need water? not necessarily in that spot. You could put, you know, a watering hole here, watering hole there. But, you know, when you already have water, I would say that would go to the bottom of the list right away. If you have nothing but 80 acres of just timber, well, it would be nice to have like a little, I call them micro, micro plots, you know, somewhere in there. Yeah. Well, and one of the biggest things that I look for right away when I walk, you know, whether it's a property I'm looking to buy, whether it's a property I'm walking to do a prop, uh, oak whitetail plan for them, how open is your woods? I would say, number one, the biggest thing a, a property should do is make your woods thicker. You know, pro- provide your deer with that bedding area so they don't, they don't have to leave. You know, because if you provide them with bedding, you know, the goal is to provide the thickest bedding in all the counties around, right? Then, then deer are going to stay there. You know, and then comes the food, then comes the water. You know, you kind of got to prioritize that way on, you know, providing them with stuff that will give them, 
you know, the chance to stay. You know, basically, don't give them everything they, they can have to stay. You don't want them to leave, obviously. You don't want them to be on the neighbors, you know, especially during the winter. You know, you want them to feel comfortable on your, your property 365 days out of the year. Yeah, exactly. And what, like, you know, if I have an open timber, an open timber, you you talking just kind of, you know, going in there and cutting some trees or doing some hinge cutting and stuff? Yeah, I mean, it it all depends, really. I mean, I know I'm, I've known some guys that have, you know, hired some sort of forester to come in and almost do like a select cut, you know, kind of open that canopy. Then that allows everything underneath on the ground to grow up, you know, all them shrubby bushes and all that browse for the deer. You know, let's all that grow up and get really thick in there. So, I mean, if you, obviously in yours, you have a lot of maples, right? Sure, yeah, sure. Is it, is it pretty open? It It is, yeah. I would say it's pretty open, yeah. Right, so that's kind of a perfect example. I mean, if you, if you're sitting in a gun stand or even a bow stand and you can see, you know, 100, 150 yards, to me, that's pretty open. Yep. You know, you, you want to give them deer that, you know, safety and seclusion that they want, you know, where they can feel they can travel any part of your property. And I know, I know guys have done hinge cutting, but with a lot of them, a lot of them big maples and oaks, it's hard to do. You know, some of the trees get so dang big where it's almost easier to just have somebody come in and select cut it for you. Yep. Yeah. And that makes a lot of sense. I mean, there's. We're on some big ridges and, you know, it's, Mm -hmm. it's like, you can see, you can see a long ways. I mean, if you're sitting up on top of the ridge, you can kind of see the bottom part of the, the woods and into the field, you know, that once you get up on top, it's, it's a little different, you know, like you say, you got the prickly ash or thorn, buckthorn, but there is Mm -hmm. parts of the property too that are, you know, we have like running water and it's, it's thicker than hell going through like that the waterways or the, you know, the creek bottoms and stuff. Right. And I mean, that's like I said before, you know, since you guys have, you know, running water pretty much year round, right? Yep. I mean, to me, water wouldn't be a main priority on that. However, I don't think it would hurt anything if you guys were to put, you know, a watering hole here, a watering hole there. Yeah. You know, because my best example, I did a property that had a pretty, pretty quick river running through it. I mean, it had some pretty good current where you could hear, like if you step down there, it was, that's all you heard is just water running. Yep. For me, the per- perfect example on, if you have natural water like that, like a pretty good current river or creek or whatever versus a watering hole, it's kind of like driving, you know, downtown twin cities. Mm-hmm. When you're in absolute stop out, you know, uh, what is it called? Rush hour traffic. Yeah. Do you have your radio just blasting or do you turn it down to be able to concentrate a little? Yeah. yeah. Right. I mean, that's, that's very, very similar to how a deer is, you know, they're so nervous as it is, you know, they rely on their nose, they rely on their ears. You know, if they can't hear while they're drinking, I guarantee they don't feel safe. Yeah. And that's where those watering holes play. You know, a watering hole has no current whatsoever. They're able to have a nice drink. You know, especially if you put it, you know, strategize it, put it right next to a clover plot or alfalfa field, whatever. Yeah, we we kind of got a, a night. It's like some areas are, are, you know, not super fast and it's not super deep. So it's it's actually a pretty quiet river. And yep. uh, 
you know, this year he had, he had a, it's a big field and it was just, it wasn't even, it was grass and a, a tiny bit of alfalfa and he would, he would cut it, you know, three, maybe two or three times a year and bail it up for his, his beef cattle. Well, this year he was like, let's put in a clover pot and maybe some beans. So we kind of split it up and we didn't make a, bit, a huge one. We just wanted to try some out for this first year. And I mean, I'm excited. It should be, should be pretty interesting. We got a river right behind our back and it's, like I said, I, I, it's, I have to learn this property and it's, I mean, it's thicker than hell in this, this creek bottom. So mm-hmm. it's like we got food and then we got, you know, a creek bottom behind us with thick, thick cover. You know, it's, it's, it's it going to be tough. It, yeah. It sounds like it's already put together pretty good. And that's kind of what I was talking about. Like, you know, the property deer benefits, you know, like I mentioned before and I'll mention right now, those are the, the items on that property, the natural items on that property that already benefit your deer, that crick that you have running through there, the, the super thick crick bottom, you know, all that's going to play, play into effect for all them PDBs. Yep. You know, and that's, that's kind of what I go off of how I start my management plan is I talk about those and kind of explain, this is how it benefits your deer. <clears throat> and then, you know, whether it's, whether we want to make an improvement in that area, make it even thicker. You know, so it's not just, not just, you know, the edges of the creek that's thick. You know, it's, it's a good amount of area that's thick around that entire creek. Yeah. You know, and that's kind of, you know, you could do short-term improvements off, the, off of that. You can do, you know, our big thing, we love planting white pines. Okay. I think, so we have, I'll kind of give you a little history of kind of what we have hunted. So I don't know, do you know where Montello, Wisconsin is? Yeah, I've heard of it. That's my hometown. So. Okay. My dad, my dad owned a 40 down there and it was pretty much, there was a couple Oak islands. There was a little bit of field and then it was pretty much just a red brush marsh. Our access was pretty good because there was kind of a dirt trail around the entire property. Okay. So, I mean, our access points were just fine. Um, the only thing that sucked on that property was our wind directions because you know, any south wind off them Oak Islands, we're going right in, in the middle of our uh, red brush marsh. But any north wind, there was a thousand acres duck hunting, duck hunting only marsh, cattail marsh south of us. So it's like, well, you know, what do you do? You kind of, you kind of, we had to pick and choose, you know, let's hope that these deer are coming from the north, right? Yeah. But I mean, that's, that's the property we, you know, I started hunting on and we shot some we shot some really nice bucks and that you know hunting with my dad that's kind of how or what got me going you know into wanting to do all this management stuff is you know constantly seeing shooter bucks every night and you know 140s 150s coming by you it just you know that draws a guy in real quick yeah. um you know it, no I'm, I'm just gonna say it nobody likes sitting there and seeing one or two deer and maybe seeing a spike yep. that gets pretty old, you know, and that's, that's where we come into play is we don't want guys to have that experience, you know, especially for young kids, you know, how I grew up, you know, we would always see nice bucks, you know, and then we started getting a little more serious in the management and we seen, started seeing really, really nice bucks. Right. And that got me, you know, that was hook, line and sinker for me. Yeah. But now, you know, since we moved to Northwest Wisconsin, we own, you know, I own, me and my fiance own 17 acres behind the house here. 
My mom and dad own a 55-acre farm in Luck, Wisconsin, and then across the road to the north we hunt, um, I believe it's a 115-acre farm. Um, basically, basically connects to our 55 acres. Um, there's just a highway in between us. But, I mean, same thing. You know, we got this 55-acre uh, farm, I believe, was it 2017? You know, and we... My mom and dad bought it in October, so we couldn't do anything. We knew it had a ton of potential, but, you know, by then it's too late to do any sort of food plots. You know, when mineral was legal then, I mean, that's too late for us to put mineral out. So we literally just hunted it. And it was my first first morning sitting out there. Um, I had a 17-inch nine-pointer come by, and for some reason I ended up passing on him. Um I think I've seen like two or three, four, maybe four other bucks the rest of the year. So we knew, you know, this has potential. We have a, we had a maybe, maybe 150 inch 10 on camera, but that, I mean, that was it. So then we started slowly but surely, you know, putting some steps into play um, off of what we have done in the past on our whitetail management program, you know, and, and fast forwarding till today. It's unbelievable the amount of bucks that we have on camera. I mean, it's it's every night. I mean, we our farmer this year didn't plant any beans or corns with kind bean or corn, which kind of sucks. But you know, we got our food plots inter intermixed in there, and I mean, our fields is it's probably twelve acres total. And you know, it's just goldenrod right now. It's five six feet tall, which is fine. They'll they'll lay in it. But I mean, on the neighbors to the west right now, we're watching. I bet this buck is pushing one ninety. I he's, saw. Uh, you see the picture of him yeah. or the video? Yeah. Yeah. He's he's unbelievable, and then he's with that other one that's just got so much junk and probably want maybe one sixty mid one fifties. But you know, for that's what a lot of people have to realize is. You know, and I'm not calling anyone out or saying anyone's doing it wrong, but a lot of these guys that consult like this or do whitetail management plans, you know, they constantly market and say, you know, this can happen overnight. Yes, it can. It for sure can. But a lot of what we do, you know, let's give it a few years, and you guys are going to have, you know, them 160, 170s on camera. And you're going to have the ability to shoot those kind of deer. You know, if you follow all these, you know, steps and, I wouldn't say requirements that we tell people, you know, it's more just kind of giving ideas out. Right. You know, the whole process, we're not going to come in there and just be complete e bags to you and say, Hey, you cannot do this. Stop doing that. No, that's, you know, we're just throwing out ideas. We're trying to help you fulfill whatever goals you have, you know, into, into having better hunting. Yeah. Have you ever had anyone that like has reached back out to you and like this don't freaking work? Um, not, not really. I mean, there, there are some properties that need a lot more work than others. Um, you know, I think, you know, there's, there's a couple in Minnesota that I've done that, you know, and that's Northeast Minnesota. So the big buck numbers up there are just, it's not like Wisconsin. I'll just, I'll just flat out say it. Yeah. It has a ton of potential, you know, give it, 
four or five years, you're going to have a giant box running your property. But that's what I'm saying. Like, give it a little bit of time, you know, keep doing this, keep laying off the pressure on your property, give them a reason to stay and you guys are going to have the results. You know what I mean? I mean, I, I've never, I've never really necessarily had a guy say, this does not work. You know, for the most, I've been super lucky so far and had some really patient guys. Just stay out of you Minnesota. know, land. <laughs> Most of my buddies are from Minnesota. It's tough. Oh God! Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, no, that's funny. Um, before we kind of move on, I just like because you don't always just go in and like you said, plant food plots and stuff. So, like when you guys first first got started, what did you kind of start with? Like, what kind of equipment did you just kind of get going with? For food plotting? Yeah, just everything. For your own land. So when, when we moved up here, we really didn't have a lot. I mean, we would always, our first year of food plotting on our 55-acre farm, we traded, we gave our farmer at the time, um, we basically said you can rent our fields for free. You just have to tow a couple food plots. So that's how we did it. You know, we kind of did a trade-off, which worked out great. And then we would just do, you know, just a regular hand broadcaster, which is what we still use. Now we use the bag ones, which is a lot easier on your forearms and shoulders. But, um, I mean, it was, it was a little bit difficult because, you know, relying on another guy to have equipment ready for you kind of sucked, you know, and not, a, it, it was a few times where, you know, is this guy going to agree to do this? You know, we're taking away a little bit of his field that he's renting for free. You know, now it's like, okay, we can, we can just plan and do it our own way, which is super nice. It makes managing our own way a lot easier. Yeah. No, that's, I mean, it's just like, but I mean, we just, just a few years ago, we got the tractor, we got, you know, two row planner, the tiller, the, you know, the brush hog, which to be honest, that's all a guy really needs. If you're doing, I mean, unless you're planting 20 acres of corn, a two row planner is going to take you five years to do but we're not, you know, that's, that's not our, that's not what we do. Yeah. No, and that's just like, you know, me and my buddies kind of, like you said, we just kind of got some people to help us out a little bit and, you know, got some equipment and then kind of broadcasted everything. And it was just kind of interested to see where you start and where you're at now and how much easier, I guess, it makes it on yourself. And... It's a lot easier. Yeah. That. I mean, going from, you know, basically doing everything with the UTV. We once rented a, it was like a full behind four foot disc that you literally had to put like weight room plates on or rocks. I think we did rocks or something, you know, just to weigh it down, just to disc up the dirt. I mean, that, it took us like five, six passes over one spot just to break up the ground. It's those rear, those rear tillers that we got now are a game changer. Yeah, you know, that, it, it takes up, it takes a lot less time to do what we do. That's why I was asking, because we were doing that this year. <laughs> we, had mm. a, we had a ranger with like a pull behind, you know, disc, and we were setting cinder blocks on there, and then we'd get on there, and it was a pain in the ass, and then yeah, we finally it, got someone to get a tiller, and we just did it the next day, and it would Way quicker. <laughs> yeah. It takes up a lot less, lot less of your time, I tell you what. For sure. But it's just cool to see, you know, how far, you, you know, you, even you have come with your own, you know, land managing stuff. Well, I mean, you think about it, 
you know, I think Drake said it best, started from the bottom, now we're here. Yep. I mean, everyone's kind of got to start somewhere. It's no different than a career. Yeah. You kind of start out at that entry level and then, you know, slowly but surely work your way up. For sure. Um, so now, you know, with with that being said, you know, kind of land managing out of the way and now it's kind of getting into more of the hunting stuff. Like, do you kind of go in after you've kind of created – and this, let's just say this is for yourself because I, I more so want to – you know what you think but like going in and, and doing cameras and putting up mock scrapes and, and doing that kind of stuff what are what are your thoughts on that personally my thoughts have changed changed quite a bit you know we use well you know what i said before you know our main thing is let's take pressure off the property you know what better tool than to take pressure off a property right now and cell cam. To me, they're a game changer. Absolute game changer. You don't have to constantly go in every other week, pull cards, you know, you don't have to walk into a, you know, a spot that you don't want to when you literally just put a cell cam. Granted, I don't know if Wisconsin's ever going to make them illegal. I know there, there's a couple states out west, I think Arizona, maybe Utah, yep. where I don't know if that's just all cameras or cell cameras, but I hope like hell, we can use them because they're amazing. Um, cameras, we, we probably don't run as many as what we should. There's a lot of spots that uh, are left pretty wide open where we should have a camera, but we don't. Um, but, yeah, I mean, we run we run cameras. I do mock scrapes. I actually do uh, – you ever done rope scrapes before? I haven't, but my buddy just did them this year, and, and you know, I, obviously I would – I would definitely do them. Yeah. So, I mean, I know, yeah, I know that, uh, I don't remember what company the whole day has like the hemp rope scrape, but I just went, I went to a fleet farm. I bought 14 feet of rope because I wanted to try. I think I have, I have two out right now. Um, one behind the house and then one on our 55. The one I put out behind the house, how I do it is I just get some, you know, ground scent, obviously rake up or use a big stick, something natural, make up a scrape underneath. And then I, you know, cut off four feet of rope, hanging on a branch, obviously. Um, and then I actually flare up the end, the bottom end of that rope and kind of put a zip tie. Um, and I leave it, I put a camera over it and it was two. I think the second night I had it up behind my house here on 17 acres, I had nine bucks on it. Jesus. So for anyone to tell you that they don't work, they do. Yeah. And no. I mean, that was, shoot, that was probably end of June, early, early July, maybe. So, I mean, that's, that's pretty much dead nuts right in the middle of the summer for anyone to do a mock scrape. And yeah. it worked out they love pretty it. dang good. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's sweet. Yeah. That's, and I mean, you the thing about mock scrapes is, you know, for for us to put them up on our properties, we don't just put them up in just a regular spot. You know, it's got to be some sort of travel corridor, um, you know, where where the deer are going to be traveling the most. Where And that's, you know, that's where hunting your property for a year allows you to see where the deer are moving from and to the most, you know. 
you know, allows you to be able to say, I should put a mock scrape there in the summer. And that, that honestly, that's one of the biggest, the easiest ways for us to take our buck inventory is those mock scrapes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, even if you're on, you know, an area where, you know, you can set a couple, you know, if you have enough cameras, you can set your, a camera in two locations of where they're coming and one over the scrape. And it, like you said, you can see where they're, you know, coming from. Right. I mean, that's a lot of cameras. If you're, your cell camera bill might be a little high, but. Oh yeah. I mean, it's, and that's kind of one of the reasons why we, you know, we don't go too overboard with the cell cams is, and then plans, they add up quick. <laughs> Real quick. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I share, I share mine. So we go, we all split ours. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and that's what, that's what mine, me and my dad do too, is we kind of split them up a little. What do you guys run? Well, we, we've tried the spy point. We had three of those. I'm not going to, I'm not going to do a whole sales pitch on anyone should buy those because I'm, I'm not a fan of them, but yeah, you can say it. We, know, we know. Yeah. They're, they're not my favorite. Let's just put it out that way. Yeah. Um, stealth cam are by far our favorites. Um, Ste- we, you said stealth. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, the, the Fusion and then the Fusion X. Um, we actually just, I've been trying to get a hold of customer service through Stealth, and it's a pain in the butt. You'll never find it. You'll nope, never get I kinda it. Figured, I kind of figured. Um, we we have two. We only have two, but absolutely in love with them. By far the best picture quality. We haven't used, uh, what, the hell, what the hell is it? Tacticam. We haven't used those yet, but I heard those are good. But ours, our two goes are stealth cam. We just had one kind of crap out on us, which sucks. We we haven't had it for a year, and it, it just won't turn on. I've replaced batteries. I've uh, tried everything. I'll tell you what happened to it right now. <laughs> no, I don't. I don't actually know. But I uh, I got mine from a guy that kind of does some distributing for GSM Outdoors or whatever, which is their like. I don't yep. money everything goes kind of through that but like yep. he, he had a direct contact to some customer service and I mean I sat on the phone for an hour one time I fell asleep on the phone yep. trying to get a hold of customer service could not finally got a hold of this girl and essentially what she told me is that if your if your camera happened to be like shut off during an update or you shut it off while it was supposed to update it completely like blocks the system so it's no longer even just a camera like there's no software on the camera and they call it like bricked that's what they said and then they'd said that they would send me a new one but <laughs> good luck getting a hold of customer service never well, yeah, I've tried a couple times, and it's all I've been on. I've been on hold for twenty five, thirty minutes, and then I'll leave that callback number, and I just won't get anything. Which is whatever. I mean, whatever. DM them on Instagram. They responded yes. to me right away on there. Really, I'm yeah. gonna have to message them. They might. They might send you an email to email them then. Okay. But yeah, I, I, I agree. That's exactly what I would say about those. Ca- I mean. Great quality. I mean, I love, I think the video is, is good. I think, um, you know, I think pricing wise, it's, it's up there and quality mm-hmm. is freaking awesome. You know, my buddy no, and tactic him and he likes them too. I mean, but I just think that when we share pictures and stuff that I think the stealth is a little more, you know, higher quality pictures, but yeah, even if, you know, that's the nice thing about, you know, the stealth, even if, you know, you got some, a little bit of thick cover, 
15 feet out in front of that camera and there's a deer standing there, you can clearly tell how big or what buck that is. Yeah. You know, and, and with the spy point, it's so, it's almost like it's super pixelated. Mm-hmm. You know, that it's almost like you have to have those deer like three feet in front of the camera. Yeah. To be able to tell exactly what it is. For sure. Yeah, that's kind of what I've heard. You know what? I, I would much rather have that than have to constantly go, you know, on our land and swap cards. Agreed. Yeah, put those and, on your mock scrapes. Yep, and that's that's why we still use the spy points because it's like, well, we got them. We might as well use them. You know, you can you can half-ass tell what how big the buck is, but it sure beats, you know, getting all your scents out there and spooking deer off your property onto the neighbors. For sure. We also we also just bought uh, my dad bought three of the uh, Moultrie. I think it's Exos. They're like sixty two dollars. Okay. Their picture quality is actually really good, but they are pretty tough to set up. Oh really? I had a, yeah, I had a hell of a time. I didn't even know if the camera was on or off. <laughs> It was just, I don't know, I had to, like, take out the batteries, like, two or three times, and finally it turned back on, and I was like, well, I'm just going to leave it. So now, whenever I have to move a camera, um, I just keep it on. I don't even turn it off. I'll get 100 pictures of me walking through the woods with it, but I don't care because I'm not messing with that again. Yeah, that's, uh, those are cell cameras? Yeah. Nice. But I tell you, for 62 bucks, you can't beat it. Huh. For picture quality, I think they're great. Might have to look into them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're, they're not, I mean, like I said, the, the picture quality is great. The price is great. But the setup is kind of a pain in the butt. Yeah. Not going to lie. It's good to know. Well, so, and yeah. So what we, I'm going to go real quick. Oh, yeah. So what we like about the cells, you know, and Spy Point does it too. I don't know how the uh, Tacticam does it, but, you know, it, it it groups it's per by each camera. So, you know, you label your camera, North side alfalfa, you know, you only look at those pictures in there when it comes to the, the Moultries, um, there, every single camera is all the pictures are all together. So you oh. kind of got to shuffle through them. You know, it doesn't separate them all per camera. It just puts them all together. And I don't know, I haven't figured out a way to change that. I don't know if there is a way to change it, but, that's the only, that's the only other downfall to those is I like seeing, you know, by each camera. Agreed. Yeah, for sure. So talking about last year, kind of how did, how did you, how was your 2021 season? Ups and downs. I, uh, so I'll give you a little history behind my house. I've, we bought it in, December of 2019 when we, I, I put up a camera immediately and I noticed this one buck, he was two and a half, maybe a three-year-old. He had a really crooked brow on his, would be his right side. I'm like, well, oh, he'll be a cool one to watch. He's still alive today. I just seen him the other day and he's probably pushing one eighties. And I seen him one time. He was obviously my number one hit lister. I seen him one time pushing the dough kind of towards me. I was like, okay, here we go. Never saw him again. But I had a couple other 150 inches running around there pretty frequently. I ended up seeing one. It was 
a Sunday morning and I had family up from back home and I told them I'd only hunt till nine and I'll be over for brunch. So I'm literally lowering my bow and I see this deer down on the neighbors. It's kind of a little ravine down there, kind of an open field with a pond. And I see this deer walking. I'm like, that's a really big buck. So I gave him one grunt. There was a south wind, so the wind was blowing from him to me. Gave him one grunt as loud as I could. Don't know how he heard it, but he ran, came in, ran dead sprint, 10 yards, started making a, you know, freshening up a scrape. He ended up coming in seven yards, um, kind of quartering away. I uh, shot him. He mule kicked, ran about 35 yards, tail flicking. He was kind of wobbly. I'm like, he's going down right there. Never ended up finding him. He ended up walking away. And we, we were on his blood trail. He even got a dog for like 160 yards, and it just disappeared. Um, and I, still to this day, it just baffles me how – seven yard shot like that. It's like, man, I smoked that damn deer and he's still alive, but he ended up being, I ended up seeing him the other day and he's probably 160 inch this year. So, I mean, that, I don't care what kind of hunter you are. That's one of the worst feelings in the world. Oh yeah. You know, shooting, shooting a giant like that and just not being able to come through and find the deer, but at least he's alive. At least, you know, that, that chapter can be closed and you know, I can go on with the rest of my, rest of my hunting. Um, it honestly, it was, it was really good. Um, I seen, I think I counted nine, nine of our hit listers came by, um, came by me in the bow stand, only got a shot on one of them, drew back on two others. Um, but I mean, I don't care who you are. That's, that's a pretty damn good year. You know, most people see maybe one shooter a year. You know, I see nine. Um, my dad ended up, my dad is one of the most <laughs> phenomenal bow hunters I've ever met, ever will meet. That dude shoots giant deer. He ended up. Go ahead. He arrowed a by mid-150s 13-pointer, um, hit him in the shoulder blade. That deer lived, which sucked. So he had a kind of a bad start to the year like I did. But then he ended up redeeming himself. He shot 165 inch 13 with the rifle, um, which would be his biggest today. Um, so, I mean, that that's the thing. I, I'm going to be straight up honest with you. I, I've, I've had opportunities to shoot 165 inch eight that ended up getting shot by the neighbor girl opening uh, morning of gun season. Um, but he was at 65 yards to this day. I still think I probably should have pulled the trigger, but that's a tough shot on a way till, you know, yeah. especially one that big, I would hate to injure it and never, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but you know, when it, when it comes to my management stuff, I, I, I tend to get a lot of crap because I pass up a lot of really, really nice deer. Um, but a part of me really wants to, you know, my goal was to have what we have right now where we're seeing those 180s, where we're seeing 170 inches on camera all the time. And that's exactly where we're at now. And if that means I have to pass up, you know, mid-130 inches, I'm okay with that. You know, and, it, you know, part of my theory is also, you know, my mom shot her, her first two bucks that were nice bucks. 
Um, and my dad shot 145-inch eight-pointer with the bow two years ago, and then now he uh, shot 165-inch 13 with the gun. You know, so I know a lot of people out there say your, your whitetail land management consultant needs to shoot big bucks every year. Well, you know what? If if our whitetail management program is allowing my mom to shoot her first two bucks that were pretty nice, and then my dad to shoot his biggest and then his biggest eight with the bow, we're doing okay. Yeah. I'm, no, I'm, I'm, I'm more than, I, w- I would be willing to never shoot a nice buck another day in my life, you know, just to be able to watch those guys be able to shoot them. I, to me, that, that's a, a success right there. For sure. Yeah. You don't really have to prove yourself. You know, it's, if you're. No, you know, I mean, the proof is in the pudding. I think that's how that saying goes. I have yeah. no, no idea. Yep. You know, for, for us to go from, you know, our first year to, you know, picking up a bow and maybe shooting this 120 inch or two, let's wait. I mean, right now I have 100 potentially 180 inch that'll be on our land. He's on the neighbors right now. Um, but I've seen him in person, 180 inch. That's with 160 inch um, on 17 acres. And then our North Farm, uh, what is 115 acres? You know, we have probably 10 to 12, 140 to 170 inches on there. And then our 55 acres is where you've seen that picture of that one. Uh, the 16 pointer, that might be pushing 190. A um, couple guys I've talked to that have been watching him in those fields think that he might push 200, which he's, he's got, I don't know. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't carry the way if he was 190 or 200, to be honest, you know? So, I mean, those, are, those are the results that I like. I like seeing the results. I don't necessarily have to shoot them to feel happy with how our management's going or how our program is going. You know, like I said, the proof is in the pudding. We know exactly what deer we have. You know, and we know exactly where we came from and where we are today while doing this program. You know, the results are just incredible. I mean, it's behind our house here on 17 acres. Right now, we have about 17, 18 different bucks. Yeah, that's insane. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's to me, we're doing something right, you know, and, you know, the proof is here. Yeah. For anyone that wants to, you know, I get I I get a lot of crap for not shooting anything, but it's like you know what, our management plan is working and it's going exactly towards the goal I want. Where I want us to be able to have the opportunity to shoot one sixty plus, but yeah. we're passing up one fifties eventually. Yeah, no, that's... you know, literally be on the same level as what you see on hunting shows that are super unrealistic. Yeah, with seventeen acres though. Mm-hmm. That's pretty cool. Right. What? Um... That kind of one of one of the last things that I you know had wanted to mention is like, where do you see your you know your management company going in the next few years? Or in a perfect world, what what where would you want to see it go? Honestly, I would love to be able to do it full time. I would, you know, because right now having a full time job, having two you know a four year old and now a five month old or almost five month old, it's tough, you know especially having that full-time job, it's like, you know, weekends are my only time that I basically see my family for the most part, you know, and that's the only time I can do this. So I don't do 
I honestly do not do a ton of management plans every year. I mean, five at the most, which is plenty because, you know, like I, like I mentioned before, you know, every plan I do is totally unique to that property. I've seen management plans by other guys. I'm not calling anyone out. I'm not saying they're doing it the wrong way, but a lot of it's copy and paste and that's not what we do. You know, I mean, granted copy and paste for a management plan would be way quicker, but how is that helping anyone? What if that doesn't pertain to your certain property? Right. Exactly. So, I mean, I guess a, a goal of mine would obviously be able to do it full time, but maybe to do or have the time to do 15, 20 a year, you know, maybe, maybe triple my management plans per year, which I think I could do. It's just a lot of time typing. That's the whole thing yeah. because I'm not just sitting there typing, you know, it's, it's a lot of mapping out. It's a lot of, you know, me basically talking to myself, why are we putting a food plot here versus this already open spot? You know, there's a lot of, you know, it's, it's all strategy. It's like playing a, it's like playing a game of chess. Yeah. You're not just going to move one of your chess pieces just for the hell of it. Yeah, exactly. You know, there's got to be some strategy there. And I mean, it really goes to show, um, you know, what you you're, what you really want your, your company to do because you never once mentioned, you know, you wish you could make this amount of money to be able to do it. No, well, it's just like, no. And I mean, that's obviously, you know, if I'm going to eventually do it full time, it would be nice to make the money. But that's not my that's not my end goal. You know, I want people to have the same results that I'm currently seeing on my 17 acres. You know, I remember growing up talking to this kid in high school, and he I would say, John, how was your uh, how was your opening weekend? And he'd say, You know, I seen two deer. It's like wow. You know, I I want to be able to help people like that. I want to be able to help you know, landowners that just bought this piece of property have hunted it for two years and have had no success. You know, that's, that's my end goal. I want to be able to have people have the same results, especially with their kids. If they got kids, they're getting them in a hunt, in the hunting, get them dang kids off the TVs, get the dang kids off the video games, get them outside. Yeah. No, I, I totally agree. Um, but yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. Full time is the end goal. And what's nice about my job is, you know, the federal benefits. I can technically retire at 48. Yeah. I, I could start doing it full time at 48. That's only 18 years from now. It's not that bad. But yeah. it'd be nice if it was a little sooner. Yeah. No, I I mean, like you said, like the, the, the success that you're seeing yourself, I mean, it just, it's, uh, you just need to, you know, whatever it is, if you, it's marketing or what, you know, it's hard to do everything mm-hmm. by yourself. It's, you can only do so. Right. Much. And that's, only... right. And that's, you know, I got a, a really, really good college buddy, um, who actually would be excellent on this podcast. Yeah. And I was sending that information. Yeah. Uh, he owns a company where they do, you know, videos and, you know, product, it, it's a production company. So he's been helping us do a lot of videos, you know, about what we do. Um, and kind of who we are, our history and, um, stuff like that. Um, so eventually, you know, I'll be able to put out videos on social media, you know, and market that way. Um, and hopefully get, you know, some new clientele, more clientele, um, to realize, Hey, these guys are actually the real deal. Um, let's give them, you know, let's give them a call and see if they can help us. So I know we can help them. 
Well, with that being said, how do people reach out to you? Social media, a lot of it. Yeah. Um, I know we had talked because we use, um, we're dealers for Monster Buck. I seen you just had Monster Buck on. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So we're dealers, we're dealers for Monster Buck. So hopefully in the future, I know we've kind of had small talks about maybe getting a booth with them at certain you know, whitetail shows or archery shows, something like that. Get our name out there. Um, last couple of years, it seems like our name has been upticking quite a bit. You know, we got stickers on our trucks now, so that kind of helps us market when we're out and about. Um, obviously, the business cards, but word of mouth up here, especially, has been huge for us. Yep. Um, but like I said, started from the bottom. Now we're here. Yeah. How far do you? you how know. far do you travel usually? Like, what's the furthest you go? Um, furthest I went is over by like Oshkosh. Okay. I did two properties. Um, couple hours. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, it was like one and a half hours. <laughs> yeah. And then I've done, I've done one in Adams County, Wisconsin. Um, yeah, I mean, a lot of them are up here and since I've been, like I said, central Wisconsin, a lot of, a lot in Eastern Minnesota. Well, maybe next year you can come out and walk my property and show me how to do it. Absolutely, I'd love to. No, we should. No, and that and that's an, that's another thing I will say about you know consulting is, let's say I got a call from a guy in Oklahoma. Yep. I probably wouldn't take it. Yeah. And it's not just the whole distance thing. I've never hunted Oklahoma. For sure. You know, I don't know if it's any different. It's, I guarantee, it's way different than Northwest Wisconsin. Yep. You know, and I don't want to go down there and, you know, have no experience. Yeah, right. I could easily do it. Yep. Like, yeah, you know, I'll take your money. I'll write you up a plan, and it's complete BS. I'm not going to do that. Yep. You know, because that makes us look bad. No, that's just shows who you are. Well, I think, you know, in this line of work, and honestly, any line of work, you know, a guy has to have quite a bit of integrity, you know, and, I think it shows a lot about a person's character. If they do have integrity by saying no, you know, to making some, a little bit of money, you know, for sure. Well, I think that's about it, man. I I appreciate you coming on. Yeah. I appreciate you guys having me. Um, good luck this season. I'm, I'd be looking forward to you to send me some pictures of some big bucks. Hopefully I can uh, send you a picture of me holding a 190, maybe pushing 200 enter. I'll, hey, I'll be waiting. But that first 150 is probably going to get an arrow. <laughs> not going to lie. As you should. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, like I said, appreciate you coming on, and good luck the rest of the season, man. Yeah, you too. Stay in touch. Send some, uh, send some pictures of whatever you shoot. Yeah, I will. Thanks, man. Yeah, thank you. Thank you all for listening to this episode of the Rush Valley Podcast. Give us a follow on Instagram and Facebook. There's going to be more content coming this season, so make sure you tune into the Valley, baby.